Chapter 5 of The Outdoor Girls at the Hostess House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at the Hostess House by Laura Lee Hope. Fun and Soldiers. I wish we could do something for Mrs. Sanderson, Betty remarked with a sigh. I haven't slept a wink for two nights, just trying to think out some way of finding that boy of hers. He must have been a darling, Grace added thoughtfully. I can't understand how a boy like that could run away from home and stay away for years without even trying to get in touch with his mother. Maybe that charge changed his character, Molly suggested dramatically. I've heard of such things. I've read them, sniffed Grace, but I must say I never believed it. Give a boy the right sort of character to start with. I don't see where you get that, Molly interrupted hotly. Why, half the criminals in the world are made up of boys who are good enough to start with, but because of some temptation or their environment, went wrong. But Mrs. Sanderson's Willie isn't a criminal, suggested Amy mildly. But he was accused of being one and threatened with jail, retorted Molly. And how do you know that wasn't just what he needed to start him on the downward path? Heavens, how melodramatic, drawled Grace. Here, Molly dear, have a candy and try to cheer up. Then I'd have indigestion and never cheer up, retorted Molly crossly. Sometimes you make me feel as if I were on a little island completely surrounded by chocolates, Grace, and whenever anything bothered me, I'd only have to eat one, a chocolate, I mean, not the island, to forget all my troubles. Oh, bliss, sighed Grace ecstatically. If you have discovered any such wonderful island, Molly darling, lead me to it, and I will spend all the rest of my life worshipping you. When you're not too busy gobbling the chocolates, Molly returned with a twinkle in her eyes. Which reminds me, broke in Betty, shaking off the thoughtful mood that had taken possession of her, that this is the day of our picnic, and if we don't get back to the hostess house pretty soon, the boys will be there before we have even made a sandwich. Goodness, cried Molly in consternation, all this talk about criminals put the boys entirely out of my head. I should hope so, twinkled Betty. Our boys are a little apt to remind us of criminals as anybody I know. But seriously, she added, a little of the thoughtfulness returning, I think we're making a mistake in thinking that Willie Sanderson has become a criminal. I think there is probably some satisfactory explanation of why he stayed away from home. And perhaps, with the help of the people we know, we may be able to solve the mystery. Anyway, I don't believe that a boy like that, and with a mother like this dear old soul, could turn out very badly. But suppose he's dead, Molly put in. Well, then our days of detectivities will be over as far as he's concerned, put in Grace before Betty could reply. Here, Molly, take another chocolate and don't ask foolish questions. Goodness, I think you're going to die, Gracie, said Molly, looking her friend over anxiously. This is the first time since the faithful day of our meeting that I can remember you offering, actually offering, me two chocolates in succession. It isn't the first time you've taken them, though, suggested Grace dryly. It just occurred to me that since you will take them anyway, 
I might as well get the credit of offering them. Ah, I guessed it. Villainous, cried Molly darkly. I have long suspected that lovely face hit a soul of venom. I should say, a venomous soul. The girls chuckled, and Grace answered lightly. Well, as long as you admit my beauty, I don't care what you say about the rest. Ah, heartless one, Molly was beginning, when with a laugh, Betty hooked an arm through hers and hustled the dramatic one in a very undramatic fashion up the steps into the hostess house. Oh, Betty, you are so impulsive, sighed Molly, as she was finally permitted a chair in the kitchen. If you don't stop rushing around so, you'll have me worn to skin and bones. Goodness, have you got those things too? asked Betty, as she hurried busily from table to pantry and back again. Please don't be so lazy, Molly dear. The boys will be here before we're half ready, and we don't want to lose a minute of this perfect day. Harder heart than Molly's must have softened at this appeal, and she set to work with a will, preparing delicacies for this picnic with the boys. Perhaps the thought was accompanied by a strange, panicking sinking of the heart, the very last picnic they would have together, at least until after the war. Did Alan have any more news for you yesterday? Molly asked suddenly, following up this train of thought. No, nothing definite, the little captain responded, deftly slipping currant jelly into layers of buttered biscuit. Of course, he said there were all sorts of rumors, but since they all came from equally good sources and no two of them pointed the same way, he wasn't listening to any of them. All they really know is that the regiment is all ready and equipped and will surely be on its way very soon. I'm not even thinking of it, said Molly, slamming down the cover of the bread box by way of emphasis, as Amy and Grace came upon the scene. I don't dare to let myself think, she repeated. That's right, dear. I wouldn't either, approved Grace, patting her encouragingly on the back as she passed on her way to the pantry. You want to get your mind used to it by degrees. Otherwise, the shock might be too great. What's that, Betty? The sugar? Surely. Anything to be agreeable. The last hamper had just been done up, filled to the brim with good things, when the boys arrived. Heavens, I'm a fright, cried Grace, viewing herself in the kitchen mirror. A mirror, by the way, which brought out all a person's bad points with Puritan honesty. Go in and keep the boys quiet, Amy. That's a dear, she begged, then seeing refusal in Amy's eyes added conjoinly, You always look as if you came out of a bandbox yourself, you know. Please, dear. But Amy was already halfway up the back stairs and paused to make a face at her. Taffy, she cried succinctly. Five minutes later, the girls, in various attitudes of impatience, were waiting for Grace while she still primped before the mirror. Just one minute more I give you, stated Molly, regarding her wristwatch frowningly. Oh, Molly, if you only wouldn't talk so much, sighed Grace, turning with an air of resignation from the mirror. As soon as you begin to talk, everything goes wrong. My gloves walk under the bed, and my hair stands on end. Goodness, cried Molly, looking injured. Anybody'd think I was a ghost. I'll stand for being called lots of things, but a phantom? Ouch! Now, what's the idea? 
for Grace's thumb and forefinger had come together in the fleshy part of her arm. I was just trying to reassure you, explained Grace innocently, as Molly stared indignantly. There's nothing the least bit ethereal. But Molly waited to hear no more and sped down the stairs after Betty to bounce unceremoniously in upon the boys. Beware, she cried. A lunatic is about to descend upon us. I should say one had already, grinned Alan, at which Molly surrendered. Everybody's against me, she sighed. When one whom I have always called my friend turns again me, never mind, she added diplomatically. I made the layer cake, Alan Washburn. Oh, Molly, let me carry your pocketbook, begged Alan in alarm. How do I know you're honest? She retorted with a twinkle, and peace was once more restored. The young folks paired off as usual, and Alan drew Betty a little behind the others. The two formed so handsome a couple that many a passerby stopped and looked back after them with an admiring smile. The camp training had improved Alan wonderfully. Always splendidly athletic, he carried himself with a poise and moved with a swing that spoke of perfectly trained muscles while his handsome face had been tanned to the color of an Indian's. No wonder that when Alan bent toward her and spoke in a certain tone reserved for her alone, Betty found it hard to look at this tall, bronze soldier who had been her faithful cavalier for, oh, she could not remember how long. I haven't seen you for ages, he murmured, and she glanced sideways at him dimpling. Not for 24 whole hours, she agreed soberly. Wasn't it this time yesterday? What has yesterday to do with it? He interrupted ardently. I tell you, when a fellow's to be parted from the one thing he wants most in the world, every 24 hours count. Alan, she cried, turning upon him in swift alarm. Is it settled then? Have you learned anything definite? He shook his head while his laughing eyes said things that made her turn her own away. Then why, she asked with a little pout, do you have to scare me so? Because, he answered happily, there's nothing I like better than to see you scared about that, he added quickly, as she turned an indignant glance upon him. For a moment, it seemed as if anger were there to stay, but it was impossible to be very angry with Alan when he looked at one like that. At least Betty thought so. You'd better be careful, she said with a soft little laugh. If you try that too much, I may not believe you when the real time comes. Betty, he cried fervently, I won't ever do it again, I promise you. At least, he added, straightening up, while in his eyes grew a great resolve. Not until that real time comes. But what have you girls been doing this morning, he went on, after a pause. The girl gave an amused but sympathetic laugh before she answered. Then she said, Molly and I have been trying to keep the hearts of three of those recruits that came in yesterday from breaking outright. Poor boys. They're awfully young. I believe they fibbed about their ages and look like cherubs. None of them has ever been away from home before, and they are pathetically homesick. But they have told us about their homes and their mothers and fathers and little brothers and sisters, and Molly has joked with them and, well, anyway, Alan... I believe we have made them feel that they are not wholly friendless. I'm sure you have, Betty dear. 
Poor boys, went on Betty. I presume it will get easier as they get used to it. Grace has been writing letters for some of the boys who find it hard to do that. Grace is awfully good at that. And Amy, I believe, has been showing some girls who came down to see their brother about the place and trying to keep them interested during the long waits between the times they can see the boy, who, like his sisters, is almost too timid to look out for himself. Admiration shone in Alan Washburn's eyes as he looked at the little captain and remarked, What lucky people those YWCA officials were to get you girls down here for this hostess house. But come, Betty, the others are beckoning to us. End of chapter 5